This is Africa Digest. Good evening and welcome to Africa Digest. You are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African perspective, broadcasting from Johannesburg. We are on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa and online on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Mayanda Mkwanazi, standing in for Spumelele Zondi. And with me on the show is Onelen Zinzi, Wisani Matebula and Neto Chemani. Top stories on Africa Digest this hour. Tributes continue to pour in following the passing of South Africa's most prominent female voice for the apartheid, anti-apartheid struggle. In an effort to help small and medium enterprises grow, the charitable entity of South Africa's power utility initiates its business investment competition. In, econ- in economics news, the railway network in France severely disrupted by the first in a wave of strikes. And in sports, South Africa's sports minister and high commissioner to Australia convey warm wishes to Team South Africa before the Commonwealth Games. But first, the news with Onale. Thank you, Ayanda. Details of the funeral arrangements of South African struggle icon Winnie Madigizela Mandela have started to emerge. Her family says the funeral will take place in four ways in the north of Johannesburg on Saturday, April the 14th. The 81-year-old struggle icon passed away in Mill Park Hospital, Johannesburg on Monday. Temba Matanzima spoke to reporters on behalf of the Madigizela Mandela family. Always is known is uh, around here, so but we will come back with other details. I think families decide on these issues. They decided with government we should not query that. I think we should accept that it is decided. Amnesty International says mass graves have been discovered in central Mali days after arrests by the military. This is as attacks by jihadists increased in the West African region. Amnesty International calls on Malayan authorities to investigate reports of extrajudicial killings of civilians and enforced disappearances and bring perpetrators to justice. The group says the region's security situation has reached a crisis point. Israel announced it has reached a deal with the UN Refugee Agency to cancel the controversial plan to deport African migrants and replace it with a new one that will see thousands sent to Western countries. The deal means thousands more of the primarily Sudanese and Eritrean migrants will remain in Israel, at least temporarily. It also ends the possibility that many would be forcibly deported to an unnamed African country, widely believed to be Uganda or Rwanda, a minimum of over 16,000 migrants will be resettled in Western nations, including Canada, Germany and Italy, under the agreement. The Indian government has withdrawn plans to remove the official accreditation of journalists accused of peddling fake news just today after they were announced. They were cancelled in orders by the Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Critics of the rules says the government's proposal did not apply to independent or partisan digital media platforms. These platforms are not regulated by the Press Council or India of India or the News Broadcasters Association. Instead, the rules would have been felt primarily by large established outlets. The BBC's Vaidya Nathan reports. 
On Monday, India's government said it wanted to crack down on what it saw as an increase in instances of fake news. Under the plan, any journalist accused of producing such reports would have been automatically suspended for 15 days pending an investigation. If after this they were found guilty, they face suspension for six months or even more. But the plan was hastily withdrawn without any reason from the government. It's unclear how the Indian government would have decided what constituted fake news. Many in the Indian media complained the plans were an effort by the country's prime minister to control the press ahead of India's general election, which is due by next year. And lastly, the UN has called for nearly $3 billion in emergency aid for Yemen, at least a donors' conference in in Geneva. The UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said that international support is essential to prevent the catastrophic situation from turning into a long-term tragedy. According to the UN, more than 8 million people are on the verge of famine in Yemen. The country has been battered since 2015 by a Saudi-led military offensive aimed at repelling Iran-backed toes rebels who control the capital. Guterres has urged the warring parties to ensure access for aid. Yemen is the world's worst humanitarian crisis. As the conflict enters its fourth year, more than 22 million people, three quarters of the population, need humanitarian aid and protection. Some 18 million people are food insecure, one million more than when we convened last year. And the horrifying 8.4 million of these people do not know how they will obtain their next meal. Channel African News, I'm Onilin Thank you, Onel. It's five minutes after five Central African time. You are on Africa Digest. On to our top story, a gigantic tree has fallen. This is how President Cyril Ramaphosa described the death of Winnie Matikizela Mandela during a visit to the late struggle, uh, struggle hero's home. But as South Africans celebrate the life of the struggle icon, many forget the sacrifices she made for our freedom. In a 1990s interview with Felicia Mabuza Sattel on SABC, Matigizela Mandela recounts how her fight for liberation compromised and harmed her family life. She says her sacrifices were determined by the political environment of the time. I am not one of those who had an opportunity to plan to plan and say to myself, uh, today I have woken up and this is my plan, this is what I'm going to do. In the South African situation, I think there were very few mothers who had that opportunity during those times to plan anything. Our lives were determined by the political situation of the country at the time. And we led a day-to-day kind of life which was determined more by who you were fighting against than yourself. I never had that opportunity of saying to myself, today I'll take my children children to school, I will perform the normal wifely duties. There never was such a time. From the onset, I need to point out that um, I was the most unmarried married woman. Um, even though I was supposed to be married, have a family, I've never really known 
what it is uh, to have a married family life, a normal life, with a normal nucleus of a family where there's a father, a mother, and children uh, waking up and having a breakfast together, and then you hold your children by their little arms and you take them to school. I've never seen any of my children on their first day at school. I was banned and prohibited from entering educational institutions, so I relied a great deal on friends to do the sorts of normal things <coughs> a mother does. Are you angry about what has happened to you in general? I mean, you fought for this country, you kept the Mandela name alive. There you were in banishment, you in solitary confinement. You know, I think we fought so hard, so ferociously for our freedom, that having attained that political freedom was so rewarding that I didn't even have an opportunity to get angry. I, I cannot pretend that during the years of struggle I was not angry. I was, of course, full, filled with rage, uh, seeing my people dying all around me, uh, particularly in 1976, which is one of the most tragic periods of our history. Um, I was a young bride then, and I had never really lived as, as a married family woman with a normal life. So my, my life was always determined by the political situation of the time. I led a day-to-day -day existence, which was determined by the security branch of the day. I never knew what I was going to wake up to. If your grandchildren then asked, as we're sitting around this fire, Grandma, what was your worst moment when you were banished? There were so many. <laughs> there, there were so many uh, those times. Those were very difficult times. Perhaps one a person like myself would single out the banishment uh, to Brentford, the separation uh, with my children, and what the security branch did almost every time my children were coming back from boarding school. By the way, I had to place them in boarding schools at a very early age because of the problem of spending a lot of time in prison. I was arrested, I was in and out of prison almost every month, if not every week. And the consequence of that was the children were always left alone. So I had to fund them out to boarding schools at an extremely tender age. They were ironically in a school uh, called um, Our Lady of Sorrows in Swaziland. Mm -hmm. I had to find them a place there. Um, when they were not at Our Lady of Sorrows, my white mother, uh, Helen Joseph, used uh, to take the children whenever I got arrested and they were back from school and they found me in prison. 
So um, those, those were perhaps the cruelest moments which have left an indelible mark uh, in my heart that is still a very sore point to this day. I had no opportunity to see them growing up. I had no opportunity to help them with their homework and see to how they were performing in school like an ordinary family. One of the children then asked Grandma, solitary confinement, this dark room all by yourself, how did you survive? I think um, that was God's miracle. If I did not believe, if I was not a Christian, I don't think I would have survived uh, um, that period of my life. The 18 months in solitary confinement was the third worst aspect of my life that was very difficult to, to live with and it left scars. Nothing can heal. Um, I was detained uh, at the central prison, the female section. Uh, the day they came to, to get me, as they always did, that one was the most painful of all the imprisonment I had suffered. Uh, the children were tugging on my skirt, crying, Mommy, don't go. Mommy, don't go. Um, and the police were so ruthless. There must have been about uh, uh, 30 to 40 police who came to arrest me. This was, uh, this was at 3 a.m. in the morning. And uh, the usual thing was you heard banks all over the doors. They were kicking the doors. They kicked in the windows. And that noise alone still lives with me to this day. And the, the degree of anger with which uh, one was arrested was beyond belief. And that's the voice of the late struggle icon Winnie Matikizela Mandela speaking to Felicia Mabuza-Sattel in an interview in the 1990s. Meanwhile, UDM leader Bantu Holomisa paid an emotional farewell to the late Winnie Matikizela Mandela. He says she was often a controversial figure whether one agreed with her views or not, and she must be admired for the fact that she never lacked the courage of her convictions. Winnie Mandela was a strong woman, a woman who could stand up and speak truth to the power. But unfortunately, at times, that strength of hers uh, put her into trouble. It is a pity that uh, even the ruling party seemed to have continued from where apartheid government left off in persecuting her. How I wish that uh, she could have uh, given a more role to talk about the issues which she fought for. Yeah, it's true that uh, that brand of leaders is, is gone. And uh, I'm not sure about the following generation after them. Because this generation which follow after Winnie and Matiba is more obsessed 
with uh, materiali materialistic issues. They are more about where will I stay? What am I having in business? Unlike Winnie who decided not to go to leafy suburbs, but she chose to stay in Soweto with the people she led during the struggle. What a good example. In fact, the people of the Eastern Cape will recall that uh, during the Kedima Tanzima era, Winnie Mandela was not uh, popular in this area. And she found a relief when we took over in 1987. I remember when she called me in 1988-89, uh, telling me that there were people on the way carrying a message from Lusaga to the effect that uh, there must be a reburial of King Sabata Dalingen. The rest is history. I also worked with her during Madiba's release. Immediately after Madiba was released, uh, uh, in my first meeting with him, Winnie said, Bantu, there is no way that FWT Clark security forces are going to guard Mr. Mandela. You have to provide security. On that day, I was busy liaising with General Matanzima to dispatch some special force members to go and guard uh, President Mandela until members of Mkondo were returned back. Yes, I worked with Winnie during the campaigns. Yes, I worked with Winnie in government. And at times, uh, Matiba, when he's angry, he would call, hey, Bantu, you must talk to your mom. I think uh, she is becoming ungovernable. Did, do you think he had to say, to go that far in attacking us? That is the government. So then I would run to Winnie, Mama, what, is, what have you done? No, get away and tell your father. They are not this and this and that. That was Winnie. We will miss her. Truth to authority. Oh, yes. She spoke truth to the authority, and she didn't care whether you were men or women. All what she was doing, she was fighting for all South Africans to be happy. We, the people of South Africa, feel fulfilled that humanity has taken us back into its bosom. The world has seen how deeply he believes in freedom, human dignity, and the right of the individual to fulfill his or her dream. I think for the rest of the world, his legacy will be the symbolism of his own character of his extraordinary gift for forgiveness and reconciliation. Nelson Mandela is a living embodiment of the highest values of the United Nations. Nelson Mandela, South Africa's giant in history. Welcome back. You are listening to Africa Digest with me, Ayanda Mkwanazi, standing in for Spumelele Zondi. It's 19 minutes after 5 Central African time. The death of a rare woman politician, Winnie Matikizela Mandela, on Monday in South Africa has shocked many Zimbabweans. Matikizela Mandela died at the age of 81 and is remembered for her courage during the era of apartheid. She was jailed several times and suffered in the hands of white colonial rulers, especially when her former husband, the late Nelson Mandela, was jailed for 27 years. Zimbabweans, both in the ruling and opposition politics, have described the late Mama Wini as a source of courage and inspiration. Simon Muchemwa reports from Harare. 
Zimbabweans across all political divide have joined hands in mourning Winnie Madikizela Mandela, who died in South Africa Monday at the age of 82. Winnie will be remembered for her courage against the bullet during the apartheid era when a former husband, the late Nelson Mandela, was jailed for 27 years in 1962. As a wife, a mother, and anti-apartheid icon, Winnie withered so much torture during her fight against the white colonial rule. The death of Winnie Mandela on Monday reminded Zimbabweans and Africa as a whole that women can also be brave and fight for women's emancipation and independence. ZANU-PF National Secretary for Women's Affairs, Monica Muchangwa, described Winnie as a source of inspiration for women in Africa. For me, uh, Winnie was really a source of inspiration. We joined uh, all the South Africans, we joined ANC in mourning Winnie, Winnie Mandela. She was a truly a serious fighter who was imprisoned, tortured, and vilified. You know, she kept the movement going for 27 years. We just hope that and wish everyone can learn from her story. Because her story and life is many, many narratives. We will continue to celebrate her life and remain inspired by her courage. Winnie divorced with the former South African president, the late Nelson Mandela, in March 1996 over a number of allegations and also suffered a great deal following numerous allegations against her. She was demeaned, but her party, the ruling African National Congress, ANC, recognized the role she played in the history of South Africa even before she died Muchangwa say. We are actually happy that ANC restored her dignity because we know at one time it was said to redo and see what was going on. But we are happy that uh, at least South Africans and ANC had restored her dignity. She deserved all the respect from all women. She's a, a true icon. Linda Tsungirirai Masarira, an opposition activist in Harare, also described Winnie as a stalwart fighter of independence in Africa in the world at large. I think that sometimes um, our patriarchal nature in Africa actually demeans women participation in governance issues. But uh, Winnie Mandela was strong in the face of adversity and did not shake her resolve to continue fighting for a better South Africa. Innocent Kagodora, a Harare-based political analyst, had this to say on the death of Winnie Mandela. She has left, you know, it's quite a huge gap, having to understand that, you know, she is one person who stood at a juncture where people would have lost her. Because you understand when you compare even to the neighbors, probably like when you compare to the Zimbabwean counterparts, we're saying we had a lot of being, leaders being arrested. But now when you look at the kind of journey that she had to travel, we're saying she had a husband who was in prison for 27 years, who was not there, who was, and, uh, you know, when, uh, at a time when there was no hope, they probably might be even released. Because I understand the apartheid regime was even known for its brutality. It would even hang, you know, you know the pro-freedom, you, know, uh, you know, the pro-independence you know, activists. But now she managed, you know, to hold together the family, and she even went on further to hold together, you know, the NC. Paul Mumbemunda, a Harare-based citizen, praised the late Winnie Mandela for the resilience she exhibited during her fight against the white colonial rulers. She was a mother, has been a mother, someone who sticks to the 
values and traditions of uh, Afghanism. Uh, we are mourning with them. We are deeply touched. Uh, we hope they'll be comforted with her works. We would love also it was going to be right for our fellow uh, settlers who came to Africa. We are talking about what you call the whites. Uh, they've tried to uh, make her look dirty by some allegations of things which were done in the past. That's normal. But she had a very good fight. Uh, may her soul rest in peace. Winnie Matikizela Mandela will be buried on the 14th of April. In Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchema. The death of Winnie Matikizela Mandela has caught many by surprise in Ethiopia, and those who followed her story during the apartheid period in South Africa have expressed their respect for the liberation legacy she has left behind. Coletta Wanjohi reports. Many have been shocked by the sudden death of Winnie Madigizela Mandela. However, they say she has left a legacy that will not die in their hearts. Immaculate Washera, a grant manager at RTI International, says Winnie is a symbol of strength. The story of Winnie Mandela is about strength, it's about overcoming all odds. So it speaks to all girls, all ladies, all women, and also all youth and men alike. Everyone who believes in a cause, it speaks to show that you can do anything, you can overcome all odds. And a special message to the woman of today is that you can be anything you want to be. You can fight for whatever you want to to achieve and let not society tell you that you are a woman so you cannot do this because you're a woman or if you do it because you're a woman then um, you're, you're doing things that only men should do and that is not woman-like. Women Mandela showed us that we are all equal, we can fight for, for the same things alike as long as you believe in. You believe in the cause. Patrick Babu, a communication consultant, says Winnie left Africans a challenge to each do their part in building the continent further. Yeah, the death of uh, Winnie Madikizela Mandela is a symbolic reminder to all Africans that they need to contribute to the excellence of this beautiful continent. Every generation lays a foundation for the next to take over from. So the likes of Winnie Mandela they did their part and it's up to us to learn from it and see in our own caliber how best we can use the lessons from their struggle in our own way and make this continent better. Winnie Mandela showed us that it is possible, together with, with many others, she showed us that it is possible for this continent to be great and to be great because Africans are going to make it great. So I think her death comes as a shock but also, it also comes as a big lesson that we need to play the part. Caroline Jerry is a businesswoman. Winnie Mandela was an icon. She was a beautiful soul. She was actually a woman, an African woman. Everybody would want to be. That strength, that standing by the husband all those years that she was, the, that he was actually not, he was away. It's actually something to for us women to learn, the way she has stood by very many, very many things in her country, the way she has, choos- she has chosen to be a good advisor to the country also, I think in politics too, she's one person to be missed. The African Union has hailed Winnie Madigizela Mandela as an icon of liberation. In 2017, the African Union awarded Winnie a Lifetime Achievement Award in absentia.
This was in recognition of the way she paved the way for women in the struggle to end apartheid and fought relentlessly for their rights and welfare in her country, South Africa. Colette Ranjohi, Channel Africa Radio, in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. This is indeed a joyous night. We are delighted by the overwhelming support for the African National Congress. To the people of South Africa and the world, this is indeed a joyous night for the human spirit. Your help and apartheid. This year, 2018, marks a hundred years since the birth of South Africa's first democratically elected president, Nelson Kholihlahla Mandela. Join Channel Africa, South Africa's international public service radio station, as we celebrate a centenary of the life and times of Madiba. Join us in a year-long broadcast campaign in honor of Nelson Mandela's legacy through a variety of informative radio programs. Channel Africa, celebrating a hundred years of Nelson Mandela from an African perspective. Let us Attention to our listeners. The first hour of Africa Digest will not be broadcast on Channel 802 on the DSTV audio bouquet. The 1700-hours show will only be found on shortwave and online on www.channelafrica.co.za. Please note that this only applies to the 1700-hours Central African Time show. The 1900-hour Central African Time program will be back on all the platforms. Channel Africa, giving you an African perspective. And we welcome back on Ellen Zinzi, What's in the Headlines. Looking at your headlines, Israel announces it has reached a deal with the UN Refugee Agency to cancel the controversial plan to deport African migrants. The funeral of South African struggle icon Winima Digizela Mandela will take place in four ways in the north of Johannesburg on Saturday. And Amnesty International says mass graves have been discovered in central Mali. Channel African News, I'm Onilensinsi. We continue with our programming here on Channel Africa. This is Africa Digest. It's 29 minutes to 6 Central African time. In an effort to help small and medium enterprises grow, the ESCOM Development Foundation, the charitable entity of the power utility, has initiated its business investment competition. The competition is also born out of the reality that while its widely accepted small businesses are key to poverty alleviation and inclusive economic growth in South Africa, there is a need for targeted interventions to ensure these companies are key participants in the value chain of large industries and markets. Channel Africa's Ntlantla Matlangu reports. 
In an effort to boost enterprise development, the ESCOM Development Foundation has been running the annual ESCOM Business Investment Competition since 2008. The competition provides a platform for South African owners of small and medium enterprises to become part of a community of like-minded entrepreneurs as they look to build on their business's solid foundation and realize their true potential. Black-owned registered small and medium enterprises in the engineering, construction, manufacturing, agriculture, agri-processing as well as trade and services sectors are eligible to enter. Last week, the ESCOM Development Foundation visited three Port Elizabeth-based small and medium enterprises to see how the businesses have been performing since participating in the 2017 BIC competition. Ductile Plastics and Extruders, LBN Hygiene Solutions and Lungi Supreme Brands South Africa all featured and were named as finalists in the competition. Nine years ago, Gerald Bath revamped and rebranded a family business that sold recycled and extruded plastics, creating 42 jobs in the process. His company, Ductile Plastics, an extruder, sources raw plastics for extrusions. Bath elaborates. The process begins where um, waste plastic is collected at um, waste management companies or even at landfill. Um, then uh, the waste pickers or the waste collectors then sell that plastic per kilogram depending on the grade. They'll sell it onto us. Um, from that point, our material is sorted and uh, it's, uh, all the different grades are separated. Um, from there, it gets processed through our machines and it gets washed. And then it goes through to our extruder where the plastic is melted down. And uh, after being melted down, it goes through a cooling process and then it's pelletized into a final product that we sell. Another finalist, Lungi Saluchaba from Lungi Supreme Brand SA, a household food and beverage producer which also has a skincare line, currently producing facial soap. Luchaba says the company has already launched two products in the market in a form of flavored bottled water and cooking oil in small bottles and sachets. Luchaba says participating in the competition has helped grow his business. ESCOM Foundation uh, has given me a lot of support. They've taken us to two weeks training in terms of understanding our business, our unique selling point as a business. Where do you want to differentiate your, yourself in the market? So in that regard, they helped me a lot. In terms of exposing us, in 2016-2017 at the Ticket Pro Dome in Small Business Expo, that was a highlight of our business where we got a lot of clients through their network in terms of our Small Business Expo. And also they invested some of the money. As you enter the competition, you get 5,000 rand as a finalist. So to buy a packaging and do branding, extra branding for, for our product lines. So we, we feel like now we, we've got that nudge to the right direction. And then we've taken our business now to the upper, upper, upper level in terms of the urban and rural communities. Prizes include a cash component to invest in the business, as well as a series of training workshops to gain important business skills. In addition, all finalists are given fully subsidized exhibition space at the annual three-day small business expo held at the Ticket Pro Dome in Johannesburg. This year's entries for the competition close in June. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Glanta Mahlangu in Johannesburg.
Gospel music is one of the top-selling genres of music in South Africa, and one musician making a name for himself at the moment is Dumisang Makweya, better known to his many fans as Dr. Dumi. He studied medicine and worked for 10 years as a doctor, but along the way he felt it was time to follow his other passion, music. The Gathering of Worshippers, Speak a Word, is Dr. Dumi's new album, and he spoke to the BBC about his latest project. My love for music has always been centered around gospel. Uh, it's, it's all I've done, it's all I've sung all my life. Uh, I, I think when I was in high school, I tried one or two R. Kelly songs. Uh, uh, one of my favorite R. Kelly songs of all time is I Believe I Can Fly. I love lyrics, I love content-based songs. Um, I started listening to Fred Hammond and, and I thought he, his writing spoke to me a lot. I listened to Donna Lawrence. Now Donna Lawrence was, was one of the reasons I really started sitting and writing. Uh, an amazing songwriter, an amazing producer. I listened to his stuff and I started writing my own stuff. But it has always been gospel. It's, it's all I've done. It's all I've, I've not written any song except gospel songs. No, nothing. Nothing Without You is, is the song that I, I first released and I put it out when everybody has said I don't want your album, it won't work, we're not going to sign a distribution deal and because fortunately it was a live DVD recording I had video clips so I put up that Nothing Without You video clip on YouTube started trending and I mean it went trending and trending thousands of views daily and uh, one of the one of the, the distributors that I spoken to gave me a call and said you know what maybe let's have that conversation again you are here and you search your family we need your Lord we need your Lord a lot of people still ask me if I'm a real doctor. My love for medicine started when I was a very young boy uh, and I was doing well at school and, and my father kind of instilled that in me and he, he would say, this is my last one son, he's very smart, he's going to become a medical doctor. I practiced for 10 years uh, to date, um, but on the eighth year it became a, a mission to focus without the music itself uh, because um, I started feeling that there's something missing, there's something more to me uh, and that I'm not doing that I could do to serve people and to, uh, to send a message of hope. When you sing and you sing along with people, um, you find a connection because then you start feeding off how people are responding to the songs and what you sing uh, when people are there is never the same with what you sing when you're in studio in a booth all by yourself and you can think through every line but but live recordings are very spontaneous they're very authentic i always look at it as uh, uh, they minister to you as you minister to them so i love live productions and live recordings
That was gospel musician Dr. Dumi ending that report by the BBC's Torai Maduna. Rancho 2018 has kicked off with a fun-filled entertainment and lifestyle extravaganza for the whole family. The 10-day event offers top exhibition halls that includes a kids' expo, the South African National Defence Force Pavilion, featuring a spectacular show of demonstrations, drills, military band performances and entertainment. More on some of the biggest draw cards this year from Craig Newman, Chief Executive Officer at the Johannesburg Expo Centre. I'm going to uh, try and just sum it up for you briefly. So we have our biggest new attraction, which is the House of Horrors. And uh, that is a, an incredible immersive theatre experience that we've brought into the Rancho. Huge value, really, really uh, a world-class production. And uh, that is something I will tell everybody not to miss. And the usual features, are they still there, the SANDF? We, we have the usual features, the SANDF. Obviously, SANDF does capability display over the first weekend only. So that's done now, but they still have their 13,000 square meter interactive exhibit where uh, the audience uh, can get to learn about their products, the equipment, get to understand what the SANDF do, get to understand different careers and uh, skills development opportunities within the SANDF. So that is all still there. We have the festival stage operating daily uh, with lots of different artists uh, on stage and all the various activities that spread around the entire footprint of the of the show. Now, how has the turnout been since it opened on Friday? Oh, we had an incredible weekend and we're looking forward to a Cracker Jack uh, ending weekend. So as you know, the show ends on Sunday, so we've got still a great following weekend to come, but we're opening in the week as well. Uh, we open till 9 o'clock every day in the week with a, a weekday festival taking place Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so there's still plenty on offer for um, visitors at the Rancho. Now, schools have closed. Uh, why should parents bring their kids to the Rancho? What's in it for them? Oh, there's plenty of activities for kids. There's lots of different kiddies' activations all over. We've got a massive lego exhibit happening in hall nine pockets of all over of kids uh, activation taking place uh, there's the amusement park that is still going there's entertainment for kids in the main stage so yes there's still plenty on offer at the rancher during the week it's uh, it's cheaper i'm going to refer you and your listeners to the website www.rancho.co.za it is cheaper during the week and then on the weekends from friday saturday sunday it goes back to 150. That was Craig Newman, Chief Executive Officer at the Johannesburg Expo Center, speaking to Ntlantla Matlangu. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. Kultranjoy for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. Our cutting-edge and hard-hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned, giving you the whole picture every time. George Muhango. Channel Africa Blantyre. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzeka in Yaoundi. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Ntakwanangatani in Mohalizuk, Lesotho. Join us every day and know what is happening around you. Channel Africa. Attention to our listeners. The first hour of Africa Digest will not be broadcast on Channel 802 on the DSTV audio bouquet. 
the 1700 hours show will only be found on shortwave and online on www.channelafrica.co.za please note that this only applies to the 1700 hours central african time show the 1900 hour central african time program will be back on all the platforms channel africa giving you an african perspective This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. It's 15 minutes before 6 Central African time. Welcome back to Africa Digest with me, Ayanda Mkwanazi. It's time for your economics news. We say good evening to Wisani Matebula. Good evening. Thanks, Ayan. The Chinese President Xi Jinping told President Emerson Nangagwa of Zimbabwe that they should work together towards a new chapter in ties during the African leader's first state visit to China since he seized power last year. Nangagwa, who was sworn in as president in November after a de facto military coup ended Robert Mugabe's 37-year rule, has vowed to rebuild this country's ravaged economy and re-engage with the international community. China has grown interest in investing in Africa's natural resources and has poured more than 100 billion US dollars into roads, railways, mines, power lines and factories on the continent over the last decade. The South African Revenue Service Acting Commissioner Mark Kingon says he's pleased with the amount of tax collected in the 2017-2018 fiscal year. Finance Minister Ntlantlanene says the Revenue Service uh, improved its revenue collection to $120 billion, US dollars, which is an increase of 6.3% from the pre- previous fiscal year. Kinon says uh, non-compliance still remains a challenge for the revenue collecting agency. And I think we do need to review the whole regime of administrative penalties that are there for non-submission of returns. Currently it's only in place insofar as personal income tax is concerned. We need to look at what we're going to do to enforce the, the submission of returns of VAT and pay as you earn and company tax returns. And uh, really, it is unacceptable when you start looking at the number of company returns, and these are legal entities that are simply ignoring their obligations. South African engineering and construction group Marine Roberts, which is currently subject of a takeover bid, has been awarded 312 million US dollars in new underground mining projects. The firm, which was previously awarded uh, underground uh, mining projects in North America and Australasia, said the additional contracts will be for diamond, gold, copper, salt, and platinum mines. The projects are due for delivery in two to three years. And Sagamata Technologies, a South African company that owns newspapers, online shopping and classified platforms, is targeting a valuation of more than four billion US dollars 
in Johannesburg's first initial public offering of an e-commerce company. Sagamafa will tap the Johannesburg equity market as investors and business leaders bet that newly elected President Cyril Ramaphosa will follow through on promises to revitalize the economy and push through business-friendly policies. It will also give investors an alternative to NASPAS. And after a decade of unprecedented growth in staff numbers, cash-strapped South African power utility ESCOM is finally tackling the controversial issue of its headcount. State-owned ESCOM, seen by Goldman Sachs Group as the biggest single risk to the South African economy, has employed about 47,600 people as of March last year, compared with 32,600 a decade ago. A bloated workforce uh, means that high costs for a company with a struggling cash flow. Now, to your financial indicators, uh, the dollar is at 11.78, South African rands at 9.39, Botswana Pula at 9.44, Zambian Guacha also trading at 71 pence to the British pound and at 81 cents against the euro. Commodities gold $1,337, platinum $931 per fine ounce, Brent crude oil is at $67.75 per barrel. That's how it's looking right now. Thank you, Wisani, and we go straight to our sports update with Nedo Chemane. Good evening, sport fans. With your latest Channel Africa Sports News at this hour, I'm Neto and ETO Chimani. South Africa Sports Minister Tokozile Klasa and High Commissioner to Australia, Beryl Sisulu, both wish to team South Africa well before the Commonwealth Games get underway in Gold Coast, Australia. According to Team SA, the two took time out to visit a cross-section of athletes at the International Zone of Commonwealth Games Village yesterday. Team members from athletics, bowls, boxing, cycling, hockey, swimming and netball codes were in attendance along with Saskog President Gideon Sam and Team South Africa Chief Dimission Ezra Chabangu. 2018 Commonwealth Games kickoff in less than 24 hours in Gold Coast, Australia. Kenya is among club games nations participating in about 10 disciplines including rugby, athletics, boxing, table tennis among others. President Uhuru Kenyatta who handed them the national flag with the following encouragement so of the team. Kenyatta says the most important thing is the team's participation. When you're out there, please also recognize that we recognize that as much as we expect much from you, we also don't take for granted the fact that you also work very hard to get to where you are. And our responsibility, in all honesty, is to do everything that we can to ensure that we support you. We're wishing you well, and this is something that I have said and I will continue saying. We are wishing you well in... in, uh, a Gold Coast in Australia and we know you will make us proud but the most important thing is just the participation.
on to soccer news. As the world mourns the passing of one of the greatest revolutionaries of our time, Winnie Matikizela Mandela, the football family in South Africa will pay its respect to the mother of the nation ahead of the domestic football fixtures. The Premier Soccer League will observe a moment of silence for Winnie Matikizela Mandela. This will apply to all APSA Premiership in National First Division and multi-choice disc shield fixtures from tonight until she is laid to rest. The league is saddened by the passing of Matikizela Mandela, a true pillar of the struggle and a person who sacrificed so much in the fight against apartheid in the emancipation of the mind. After being knocked out of the Netbank Cup by Mamelodi Sundowns on Sunday, Penny McCarthy says Cape Town City will now switch their focus back to the league. City return to PSL action tomorrow evening when they host Golden Arrows at the Cape Town Stadium and McCarthy believes that if they play as well as they did against Sundowns in Sunday's 2-1 defeat, they should be good enough to beat Arrows at home. Wednesday we got to switch on back quickly again switch our focus golden arrows coming so yeah we're looking to take this game's performance into wednesday because i don't think golden arrows are going to be as good as sundowns if we play like this we in with a chance and you know so chance for us to get back um winning ways again and finally in cricket news, Australia's Players' Union President Greg Dyer has called for a reduction in the bans handed out to Steve Smith, David Warner and Cameron Bancroft for their part in the ball tempering scandal in South Africa last week, describing them as disproportionate. Former Captain Smith and former Vice Captain Warner were handed 12 months bans and batsman Bancroft suspended for nine months by Cricket Australia after the latter was caught using a piece of sandpaper on the ball in the third test in Cape Town. We pointed out the fact that uh, of the incidents of this similar type which have occurred previously, the sanctions are vastly uh, less than, um, than what's been suggested here. What's being meted out is substantially more than what's been meted out previously to, uh, to cricketers. Um, there's a need to reconcile between the two. There's a need to understand that disproportionality um, and to, uh, to move forward. The players have until Thursday to appeal their bans. Decisions, Dyer said, he believed were deeply personal to be decided by the players with their own legal counsel. I think Australia cried uh, with Steve Smith uh, last Thursday. I know I certainly did. We ask for this extraordinary contrition to be taken into account by, by Cricket Australia, just as it would be in any fair or proper process. That's a deeply personal decision for the players. Um, we're supporting them through that process, but ultimately that's, that's for the three players to decide. Thank you for choosing Channel Africa. For Channel Africa Sports, I'm Neto and ETO Chemani. This is Africa Digest. Recapping the top stories this hour, tributes continue to pour in following the passing of South Africa's most prominent female voice for the anti-apartheid struggle. In an effort to help small and medium enterprises grow, the charitable entity of South Africa's power utility initiates its business investment competition. That wraps up Africa Digest. Today from myself, Ayanda Mkwanazi, producer Luanda Maome, technical producer Revelino Ibrahim, and the rest of the Africa Digest team. Thank you for listening. For comments on the show, send us an email at info at channelafrica.co.za. 
send us a WhatsApp message to plus 2776 300 3327 or you can tweet us at Channel Africa 1. Taking us to the top of the hour is Winnie Mandela by Colleen Davis.